All right, Jesus paid it all. Aren't you glad? Can you say amen? Amen. amen. All right, thank you guys for great worship this morning. I want to check my Bible to make sure I'm in the right passage of Scripture here when we get started this morning. And uh, so uh, you guys are uh, uh, so uh, patient and we love you so much. And thank you for being here this morning. Say welcome to you. We're glad you're here. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Last Sunday we looked at living in the Spirit. This morning I want to share with you a little bit about leaning on the Spirit. Something we need to do. And uh, I know that we've all experienced certain times and circumstances where we felt the need to lean a little heavier on Him than maybe at other times. But it's important that we understand that He is our help and our very place of refuge. You know, we talked about how Romans lays a foundation for our faith, that by believing in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross, burial and resurrection, that we can have eternal life, that through Jesus Christ, He paid for our sins, that His shed blood is the ransom for our sins, and that through our our faith and trust in what He's done for us, that we can receive that gift of salvation. It's not about uh, the church is not about church tradition or anything, but it's about believing and trusting in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Now, the church, the body of Christ, helps us to grow in that relationship. God uses His church to do outreach and to reach people with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But our relationship with God is through Christ's shed blood, through faith in Him, through trusting and believing in Him. And then after that foundation uh, that's laid and we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we, we move on from foundation to function. And that's what Paul talks about. How do we function in our Christian life? Or how do we uh, live on a regular daily basis for His glory and uh, for, uh, for our growth in that relationship with Him? You see, when we talk about leaning on the Spirit... And why do we do that or what's that all about? I think Paul describes the process as one of growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ and living a victorious life that brings honor and praise to His holy name. See, that's every believer's desire, every Christian's desire, is that we can honor Him through the way that we live, that we can grow more closer, more personal, deeper in love with Him as we walk through this Christian life. And so how do we do that? Uh, what's the practical things out of that? I want to share some of those, hopefully, with you this morning. And I want you to look with me. Our scripture is going to come from uh, Romans chapter uh, 8, verses 14 through 27. But I want to back up uh, just for a minute. I want to lay a foundation for uh, all that we're going to look at in verse 13. Verse 13 says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the, flesh, uh, deeds of the body, you will live. Now listen to what Paul's saying. Uh, as you look at verse 13, uh, the verbs in verse 13, living and dying, are in the present tense. And uh, it's, it's the idea of an action that's in progress, but has really no assessment of completion. And let me give you an example. If, I, if I'm up here and you're seeing me and I'll say to you, hey, I'm walking, then, then you understand that's something happening in the present. Uh, and that really I haven't qualified how long I'm going to walk uh, or how far I'm going to walk. But now if I said to you, I'm walking across the stage, 
then you'd understand that, hey, there's a conclusion to that. Uh, but in this case, Paul doesn't use that type of terminology. But what he says is that be careful because uh, if you're living according to the flesh, then you'll die. And so really we could literally translate that verse of Scripture, that part of this verse, uh, like this. If you keep on living a life according to the flesh, then you will keep on living a dying life. And so Paul wants us to live a life that's victorious, a life that uh, is, is really committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he goes on to say in verse 13, he says, But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Now, let me, let me look at that just for a minute for you and break that down. But, but if by the Spirit, you see, the word or but is one of those contrasting statements and it really is as a word that means change or there's a change going on. You can either live this way or there's an alternative, there's a change. And, and Paul gives really the key to that change, but if by the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is the one who's the agent of change in our lives. When we come to Jesus Christ, what does He do? He convicts us of our sins. He draws us in a relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come to Him and through His ministry and through His power, we're given eternal life. We're born again by the Spirit of God. And so in that kind of relationship, there's great change. And so the Spirit is the key to change. He says, you put to death. In other words, the idea is to stop completely. So by the Spirit, Scripture saying is that we stop these deeds of the flesh or the body so that we can live. Live. And so this morning, I want to share with you a little bit about what it means to lean on that Holy Spirit, on the Holy Spirit who gives us life. Uh, Warren Wiersbe wrote in a commentary on this passage of Scripture. He says it much better than I can. He says this. He says, it is not enough for us to have the Spirit. The Spirit must have us. Only then can we share, then, only then can He share with us the abundant, victorious life that we, that we can, that can be ours in Christ. We have no obligation to the flesh. Because the flesh has only brought trouble into our lives. We do, not ha- we do have an obligation to the Holy Spirit. For it is the Spirit who convicted us, revealed Christ to us, and imparted eternal life to us when we trusted Christ. Because He is the Spirit of life. He can empower us to bo- obey Christ, and He can enable us to be more like Christ. That's why we have to learn to lean on the Holy Spirit. Bow with me, if you will, let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so thankful today that you truly are our Father who's concerned and who cares about us today. That you're so concerned and your care is so deep for us that you came yourself through your Spirit to live in every believer to give us a helper an advocate, teacher, guide in in all of our lives so that we can truly put to death, stop, see an end to these things that want to hold us back from living for You and living for Your glory. 
Father, I pray this morning that you'll show us some things about leaning on your Spirit. That we find our help in Him. That we find Him as a, as a true friend and helper in our journey, in our following of you as disciples. Lord, I pray that you'll take these verses of scriptures that we're about to look at this morning. And Lord, you'll make them be alive to us. Lord, I'm asking these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you begin to look with me this morning, you have an outline in your bulletin if you want to follow along. And uh, I do want to assure you that we're not going to get through with that outline this morning, but uh, we'll get through part of it and the rest of it tonight. So, uh, but if you're interested, come back tonight and you can hear the end of the story. Uh, but, but to think about this idea of leaning on the Spirit of God, I, I want you to consider, look at verses 14 through 17. Listen to what Paul says. He says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Now listen, Paul gives us one of those aspects or one of those benefits of leaning on the Spirit. When we lean on the Spirit of God, we experience His faithfulness. Look, the Spirit of God is faithful. Uh, he's always there. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. Uh, he's, his name is the Spirit of Truth. So you can gather from that that the advice or the leadership or the urging or the drawing of the Holy Spirit is always toward the truth of God. And so we, we can consider Him someone who's always faithful. You know, we ha- you may have a lot of friends and uh, uh, we may have a lot of friends as people, but how many of us can say that I have one friend that without question is absolutely faithful in everything that I know about him or them or, or about her and with, with unquestionably perfect character, they have been faithful to me. Well, you might say, well, I've got somebody that 99.9% of the time might fit that bill, but I can't guarantee that they're faithful in everything, but they're faithful in most things. Well, with the Holy Spirit, we have that assurance that He's always going to be working in our lives for our good and for God's glory, that He's always going to be pushing us, drawing us, leading us in the direction that's going to be pleasing to God and really going to show us or open our lives up to uh, maturing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, That's who He is. It's it's in Him to do those things because that's His desire. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is someone that we lean on and we experience His faithfulness as we do. How do we do that? Look at verse 14. First of all, we experience His faithfulness by His leading. His leading. The Holy Spirit leads us. Uh, You know, sometimes we don't want to be led, right? (laughs) You guys might be like that. Some of us are natural born leaders and we want to be out front. And we want to run in front of the pack. Uh, But listen, I want to assure you that the Holy Spirit, uh, we experience Him as He leads us uh, into that deeper understanding and relationship with Jesus Christ. And so uh, we have to be careful. 
uh, not to figure or not to think that we can lead ourselves into that relationship or we can lead ourselves into that, that life of victory or overcoming. We, it's impossible for us to do that. And so that's why God has chosen to do that through His Holy Spirit. And in verse 14, Scripture says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, uh, these are the sons of God. These are the children of God. And so He's faithful to lead us, and we experience that in that relationship. Now listen, there's some things about the leading of the Holy Spirit uh, that we have to understand or that we really have to consider. And one of those things when we think about experiencing the leading of the Holy Spirit is that we, first of all, must be open to that. We must be surrendered to it, okay? So if we're not open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, if we're not willing to be led by Him, then uh, more than likely we're not going to. The Holy Spirit is not the person of God. He's not going to drag us, uh, but He's going to lead us. He's not going to grab us and compel us to follow uh, the direction He wants us to go in. He's going to lead us all, leave us all kinds of messages uh, through the Word of God. Uh, he's going to prompt us uh, as He bears witness with our spirit. Uh, if we're going off in the wrong direction, has the Spirit of God ever spoken to you? I mean, in a sense that He's urged you, hey, don't do that. Or, hey, listen, you need to do that. Uh, and you've just sensed that presence of God's Spirit in you as He really convinces your inner person that that's a good thing or that's not a good thing. I think we've all experienced that. Uh, and sometimes it's through God's Word that He speaks to us. But the, the thing of it is, is we have to be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I really believe that it boils down to a day-by-day, day, really a moment-by-moment moment choice or desire to want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We ought to wake up every morning and say, hey, God, this is your day. Uh, this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And Holy Spirit, I, wanna, I want to be led by you today. Uh, we ought to start out in that frame of mind with that desire. Is that, Lord, open up that path. Show me the way. Lead me in, in, into the way of righteousness. Lead me in the way that you want me to go. And so we begin each day, or we ought to begin each day with that, that desire, that thought. Is that this day is yours. It belongs to you. And Lord, I want to be open. I want to be sensitive to you leading me. That's the next thing, is that we must be sensitive to His leading. How do we become sensitive to things? Uh, you guys, uh, uh, maybe you're sensitive to certain things uh, because you're familiar with it, right? Uh, you uh, you uh, kind of are aware of things because you become familiar uh, with those particular things. Uh, some of you can probably leave work and drive home and not even realize where you've been because you're so familiar with the day after day drive home that you do. And, and, and so in that familiarity uh, that uh, uh, you're sensitive to the turns you need to make and directions you need to go. And we need to be equally sensitive to the Holy Spirit by becoming familiar with His voice, hearing His voice. What did Jesus say about His sheep? He said, my sheep will will know my voice. They'll recognize my voice and my sheep will follow me. Jesus is talking about a familiarity with Him that causes us to understand or hear His voice and hear His leading. Now, how do we get familiar with someone? Generally, it's by spending time, isn't it? 
uh, we get familiar with God because we're involved in uh, worship services like this. We're involved in His Word every day uh, that we come together to uh, strengthen and encourage each other, uh, that we're involved in His kingdom work. All those things are important to our becoming familiar with God and being able to hear and, and being sensitive to His voice. Another thing that we also... Uh, must be, I think, not only is surrendered and sensitive, but we certainly need to be seeking His leadership. We ought to be proactive. We ought to be living in an awareness of the fact that, hey, God, I'm yours. Uh, I've chosen to follow you. And so uh, when I step out into my day or into the world that I'm going into, that, God, I want to be looking for your leadership. I want to be looking for those messages, for those things from you that will cause me to be following you. And so all those things become real to us and we begin to experience the leading of the Holy Spirit. I believe if I ask you, were to ask you guys this morning, uh, hey, tell me an example when you sense, when you experience the leading of the Holy Spirit, that everybody's hand would go up and you'd have some time when you knew that God was speaking to you and He was moving in your life to lead you in a certain direction. Uh, that's a part of our testimony, isn't it? That God is engaged and involved in our lives, and so we experience His leading when we lean on Him. But if we're not willing to do that, then uh, we're, we're not going to be apt to be led by Him. Now let me give you a second thing. Not only when we lean on Him, we experience His, his leading, but also if you look at verse 15, we experience His liberty. His liberty. Verse 15 says this, For you, do not, uh, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption. So uh, Paul says here that another thing about the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit as we lean on Him and as we experience that faithfulness is that we experience the freedom that we have uh, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Bible says that we're not given uh, that spirit of bondage uh, by by fear. You know, fear always creates bondage in our lives. Doesn't he say amen? that those, those things that we are fearful about have a way of uh, causing us to be bound that, that really take hold in our lives and, and we overcome that through uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and through uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so it, it binds us. The greatest fear that humanity, human beings have, no matter what they say, it's really not spiders or snakes. Uh, right? Okay. Uh, it's really... Uh, it's really not running out of gas or anything like that. Uh, but it's fear of death. Uh, and that fear of death, not knowing what's going to happen or uh, not, not knowing uh, where, where I'm going to spend eternity. And that great fear keeps us in bondage. Uh, it keeps us bound. And Jesus Christ came to set us free from that bondage. Uh, Paul would say to Timothy, he says, Timothy, that God hadn't given you a spirit of fear. But He's given you a, a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so God gives us, throughout our relationship with Him, these great assurances that He's going to take care of us. If our great fear is death, do you know what God says? There's a place called heaven. And when you die, there's a place for you in heaven. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You may have other fears as well. But listen, God has an answer for every fear. 
He has a response for us that we can overcome in, in all of our fears and all of our anxieties and all of our anxiousness. Listen, we live in a world today that's so full of anxiety, that's so full of fears that our, our culture tries to deal with the anxieties and the fears that, that exist in people's lives today. <clears throat> Sometimes they medicate those anxieties away. Uh, sometimes they uh, try to uh, uh, give you a, a false perception uh, of things to uh, move you out of that sense of fear. But let me tell you, it never takes you out of that bondage or the grip that fear has on you. Uh, only Jesus Christ can do that. Only He can uh, give you that freedom from bondage that really fear uh, takes hold of us with. His Spirit is not the spirit of fear, but His Spirit is the spirit of, of adoption. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says this. He says, Not that we have received... Uh, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. How are we set free from the spirit of this world or the spirit of fear of the bondage, it's, it's, we're set free by the Holy Spirit who reveals, who helps us know the things that God provides for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that wonderful to know that fear breeds deception and the Spirit shares the truth to set us free? Jesus said about His disciples, if you're my disciples, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You see, He is the Spirit of truth. And we experience Him and His faithfulness through the liberty that we receive in Jesus Christ. Well, listen, there's another thing also that we experience. Not only His leading and His liberty, but if you look at the end of verse 15, we experience His love. That, that God loves us. So what did Paul say? He says in verse 15, You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, spirit of adoption. You know the idea, the word adoption really means to declare and place someone in a, in a position as a child. That's what adoption does, doesn't it? If you, if you know about uh, adoption, that uh, that adoption takes maybe a set of parents and a child that's not by phys- physically their uh, birth child, but uh, they come along and they choose that child and say, hey, I want you to be uh, our child. And so they go through this process of adoption. And, and legally speaking, uh, that child is, is placed with them or declared that they are that family mother, father's child. And and so that's exactly what happened to us when we were saved, when we came to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Not only were we born again spiritually, but in 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 a second declaration in Scripture, we were declared God's children. Uh, John writes in the book of John, he says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the power, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. And so when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we receive him as our Savior. Uh, The scripture says that now we're his child. We're declared his children. And that's amazing because uh, that's a relationship that God has, one that was uh, struck and, and one that was 
uh, performed by love. God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God initiated this relationship of adoption, of new birth, because He loved us unconditionally. And so now we know and experience that, that kind of love as we lean on the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit who declares us as belonging to God. Uh, if you look back in verse 4, uh, it says, As many as are led are the sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so now all of a sudden the work of the Holy Spirit is one of, of, of bringing us into relationship with God. Something else that the Holy Spirit does in that vein of love and loving God and showing God's love to us. Paul had written earlier in Romans 5, verse 5, when he says this, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Isn't that wonderful to know? The power of of knowing that God loves us can overcome some of the greatest hardships that you and I will ever face in life. I mean, look, sometimes this world gets hard and it gets difficult. And sometimes we struggle. But yet at the end of it all, knowing that God loves us, And that God is our Father, the word that Paul uses here, Jesus uses in the New Testament. When he said, Abba, Father, it's the term of endearment toward uh, someone's father. It's like saying, Daddy, Daddy. And that's the kind of relationship that we have with our Father in Heaven. That we can come to Him knowing that He's a loving Father. That His focus and His desire on us is is to love us and express that love to us. And so when we lean on the Holy Spirit in His faithfulness, we experience God's great love that overcomes so much in our life and our life experience. One thing, one last thing about His faithfulness is that not only do we experience His love and His liberty and His leading, but if you look at verses 16 through verse 17, that we experience the Holy Spirit by learning. By learning about God. He says in verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Listen, some of the things that God wants to teach us in this learning relationship that we experience through the Holy Spirit's ministry in our lives is first of all, we're learning about our position. He says that we are children of God. Now listen, don't look at that lightly. We're children of God. That that means something for us to be children of God, to be in that kind of relationship with Him. And so because of that relationship that we have, that we hold a certain position in the family of God. And when you think about the family of God, I'm thinking about all kinds of things. One of the things that crosses my mind is the fact that He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And that if I'm positioned in His family as His child, and if He's King of kings and Lord of lords, then somewhere in the kingdom of God, I'm a prince. And you're a princess. And that's pretty amazing. 
that we have that kind of relationship. The Bible says, 1 Peter says in chapter 2, he says you're a royal priesthood. That you're chosen by God. That you're special. Uh, King James says peculiar. Uh, but, but New King James says special. And so I'm going to go with special instead of peculiar. Because I've been called peculiar before and it wasn't a compliment. Uh, but he says you're special. And so I'm just going to say to you today, by, by the authority of the Word of God, you're special. You're special because of the relationship that you have with the Lord Jesus Christ because you're His child. Now what does all that mean? I don't know to the full extent of what all that means. But I'm learning. Every day I'm learning something new about being God's child. Now look, I learned a lot of things about being a child in the family that I was raised in physically. I learned that my family has expectations, that my family has boundaries, that my family loves me, that my family will stand behind me and support me, that my family would, has no problem disciplining me, right, when I was growing up. And so let me tell you, your God loves you that way also. And He'll be there for you and bind you. And so we're learning about our position in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, but we're learning about our possession. I mean, listen, what does he says? And if children then then heirs, heirs, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If children then heirs, what, what in the world does that mean? I'm learning about that. What does that mean? What, what, what kind of possession? You know, the word heir simply means one who receives. One who receives. Now, when it comes to receiving, I really I, I've I've experienced receiving from God. It's amazing. That, that all the, the, the grace of God, that how He continues to lavish things in our lives abundantly is always amazing to me. And if I look at that abundance of lavishing things in my life and compare it to my consistency and my relationship to Him, I'm embarrassed. Right? I don't deserve what God does for me every day. I certainly don't merit it or earn it. Because if I responded to God the way He responds to me, I'm learning about that. Those things that we have, those possessions that we have, what is all that? Hey, you know, we can point the Bible and say, well, it's heaven. Yeah, it's heaven. But isn't it more than that? I mean, isn't it, isn't it also about the here and now? The things that we have? Isn't God's resources also attached to that family promise of relationship? I mean, shouldn't we expect God to do those things for us that we need? Right if He knows about every sparrow that falls to the ground? Right? Wasn't that what Jesus said? How much more valuable are you and out of Him, if He knows all about us and our needs, couldn't we just expect that He would reach out and meet that need? I think so. But I'm still learning about those things as being an heir. Holy Spirit continues to teach us. We're learning about our possessions, our positions, but also we're learning about His passion, His suffering. What does He say in the end of verse 17? He says, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. 
Isn't that what happened with Jesus Christ? If we indeed, if, if indeed we suffer with Him. In other words, if we experience the same experience that Jesus had here on earth, uh, that's a part of it too, isn't it? That's a part of our learning. Is that there, there, there may be times that we suffer for Jesus Christ and for His kingdom. There may be times that people, because of the faith that we have, the beliefs that we have, and the, and the stand or the position that that leads us to take, and the life that we live because of our relationship with Him, that there, there may be times when people are going to oppose that. When they're going to resist it. Look, when Jesus came to this earth and He lived and began His ministry, He was radical in His day. And He was radical. Listen, Jesus Christ not only was radical 2,000 years ago, He was radical 1,000 years ago. He was radical 1,500 years ago. And He's radical 2,000 years from His life. It's always been that way. And what He calls us to is that same kind of, of life. A passionate life lived for His glory is going to be a life that is going to be opposed. And He calls us to live for Him. We experience the Holy Spirit, by what we learn. You know, the question is today is that are we open to that? Have we seen the faithfulness of God as His Spirit works in us and through us? I hope that you are today. I hope that you can say that, hey, my life is, is, is all about following and understanding the Holy Spirit and how He's working in me. That, that I'm experiencing Him and I know that I am because of the things that are happening to me and the things that I'm going through and where I'm finding my strength and my wisdom. If not, then you might be what Paul is saying, living a, lie, living a dying life. That's not what God's chosen for His children. But He's called us to living a life that's alive for Him and for His glory. Pray with me if you would. Father,